Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Sports Today. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV Network. I am Frank Stamfel, and I am at the FanDuel Sportsbook over at the Meadowlands Racetrack. He is Craig Mish, and you see it in the top corner of your screen right now. He is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium covering the Marlins and Orioles today. Uh, Craig, we are going to be talking about the Orioles tomorrow, but for today we are previewing the Boston Red Sox from a fantasy baseball perspective. How are things going with you, Craig? How's the weather out there? Uh, what are some things that we can expect tomorrow when we talk about the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, huh? A little sneak peek? Yeah, we're- we're going team by team. Uh, we'll go all the way right through opening day on March 26th. And uh, if you do the math, yes, we will run out of time before March 26th. So we're going to have to double up on some teams. But we thought we would get uh, some of the teams in while we have a chance to speak to them and see them. And so throughout the spring, now all the way through opening day, uh, I'll be at the ballpark and interviewing the players that you'll be drafting. And we'll kind of coincide them with some of the team previews that we have, which is really uh, you know how it's meant to be, but as of now, uh, it's we got an hour till game time here. The Orioles are taking batting practice, and uh, and then of course at one o'clock Eastern, we'll we'll check out Miami and and Baltimore. But yeah, I've been able to get out here quite a bit, Frank, and see some of some of the teams and and really some of the pitchers is really what I want to pay most attention to. Try to get right behind home plate for some of those pitches. So I'll do the same thing today. We'll have Wade LeBlanc, big fantasy asset today against uh, Caleb Smith. That's the pitching matchup. Uh, Caleb Smith is one of my favorite sleepers, and we spoke about him early when we uh, started doing fantasy sports today together, Craig. So uh, excited to see what you have on Caleb Smith. That is coming up in just about an hour's time. Will be first pitch between the Marlins and the Orioles. All right, when we come back after the news update, I want to talk a little bit about Yordan Alvarez, this Christian Yelich contract extension, and Red Sox player home run props. We'll talk about all that here on Fantasy Sports Today. Well, we take a look at the Yankees and Aaron Judge. Aaron Boone, the manager, said it's quite premature to count out Aaron Judge for opening day. Judge has been sidelined with a shoulder issue. He said he can't speculate as of yet whether or not Judge would be ready. Reds manager Ron Renecki said Wednesday morning that the team is waiting for another opinion on Chris Sale's MRI results. We'll see what the prognosis is for his elbow after that. Jose Altuve is expected to return to Grapefruit League action on Friday. Altuve was kept away from the Astros Spring Training Facility on Tuesday after coming down with an illness. Astros manager Dusty Baker added that Jordan Alvarez will sit out the Grapefruit League games for another three or four days. Alvarez was scratched after complaining about soreness in both of his knees. Ray starter Blake Snell is aiming to throw a bullpen session on Friday. Snell did receive a cortisone injection late last week after experiencing soreness in his surgically repaired elbow. Jorge Alfaro has been cleared to resume baseball activities. Alfaro had been scratched after experiencing tightness in his left oblique. Last night in the NBA, Karis LeVert went for 51 points as the Nets beat the Boston Celtics in overtime. Anthony Davis came back from a couple of games on the shelf with a massive 37 points 
13 rebound outing and the Lakers win over the 76ers tonight in the National Basketball Association some good matchups on tap Grizzlies are at the Nets Jazz are at the Knicks not a great matchup there Wizards are at the Trailblazers we do have the Pelicans at the Mavericks a 239 and a half over under in that one In the college basketball ranks last night, Kentucky had a big lead and they lost it. They fell at Rupp Arena to Tennessee after being up by as many as 17 earlier in the game. The final score there was 81-73. to It's not even tournament time, but March has been mad thus far. I'm Dan Strapper and this has been your SportsGrid News Update. Thank you, Mr. Dan. And you heard it from Dan Strafford there. Knicks Jazz, not a great matchup there. I don't know if Craig Mish put him up to that. Obviously, if you were watching the show yesterday, uh, Craig Mish has banned me from talking about the Knicks here on the show uh, and potentially put Dan Strafford up to saying the Knicks and Jazz are a, quote, bad matchup coming up later on tonight. Uh, Craig, I did want to get your thoughts on a few matters. Jordan Alvarez has been shut down for three to four days as he is dealing with knee soreness. Obviously, someone you have to invest a lot in right now. Second, third round pick uh, and entering his second season. Our pitchers going to make adjustments to him. Obviously, struggled a little bit in the ALCS against the New York Yankees when he saw better pitching. Uh, And then a huge uh, contract extension uh, is nearing between Christian Yelich and the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously, you have had some contact with Christian Yelich as you have covered the, Mar- uh, the Miami Marlins over the past years. That would be a nine-year contract worth $215 million, Craig. And I said this in the first hour. Um, when we first started doing the show, you mentioned that the MLB Players Association often wants the players to go to free agency and make as much money as they possibly can. Looking at this deal for Christian Yelich, it seems like if he went to free agency, he might have been able to make more money than what we're seeing here with this $215 million contract. So what are your thoughts just on both Joran Alvarez and Christian Yelich here before we dive back into the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with Alvarez. Uh, I mean, look, um, you know, you never want to hear that. This is not even a guy that plays defense. And so certainly, you know, this time next week, I think we'll have a better view if you're doing one of these drafts where you're drafting now. You know, Frank, I do think you got to bump them down a little bit, right? Like, I think a little bit, you got to push them, maybe 10, 15 spots, maybe consider somebody else at that position at the designated hitter, uh, you know, a position because you don't, I don't, I just don't want to draft a hurt player right now. I already got a hurt player after what happened yesterday with AJ Puck story uh, for another time. In terms of Christian Yelich, Look, I've, I've been able to report this now going on three years. Every time his name is mentioned in the South Florida area, it's all it always goes back to the trade that they made uh, with the Brewers that brought them back. Lewis Brinson, Monte Harrison, Isan Diaz, and Jordan Yamamoto. And Frank, look, let's just be honest. It was a bad trade, okay? Like, it was a bad trade. That trade is not going to work out for the Marlins. Um, what happened is, is that it was lumped in with all of these other trades, And honestly, Frank, I mean, look, you follow the game and you follow the players that have gone back in return. Did the Marlins make a bad trade trading Giancarlo Stanton and $300 million? The guy hasn't played in two years. Did they make a bad trade trading Marcelo Zuna, who left St. Louis as a free agent? They got back Sandy Alcantara, an all-star. They got back Zach Gallen, who they traded for Jazz Chisholm. Uh, And Magnera Sierra and Daniel Castano are probably not, you know, huge factors for anything. I would say that trade was probably a good one, too. And does anybody even remember D. Gordon with Miami? They traded him, too. And, and really dumped his salary, which right now the Mariners are having to pay for. So they made four trades. They made one bad trade. The Yelich trade was bad. And the reason why it was bad is Yelich is doing the same exact thing in Milwaukee that he did with Miami. He signed a long-term contract extension with the Marlins. 
and was basically locked in for six or seven years, and the Brewers had him on a huge discount. In fact, I would say that based on the money that Christian Yelich has been paid the last two years, he's probably the most valuable player in the history of Major League Baseball based on his statistics. And so essentially what the Brewers are doing is rewarding him a little bit for the past, but also paying him for the future. Uh, he, he just wanted out of Miami. He didn't want to play uh, with the Marlins, and he made that clear on many different occasions, both uh, publicly and the things that were said privately also weren't pretty as well. He's turned his entire career around. He's made himself an offensive force in that park in Milwaukee. Nobody saw that coming, whether it was here or whether it was the Brewers or any other team. Teams thought he would be good. They never thought that he would be an MVP 40 home run type. It just it simply wasn't there. So um, not every trade's going to work out in, in this particular case, even though the Marlins will still defend it and say, you know, Harrison could still end up being good or Isan Diaz could be good. Potentially Yamamoto's a starter. Look, you got to call it what it is. And if you're if you're three out of four and making big trades, you're doing a pretty good job. And I think that's kind of where we stand there. As far as Yelich's fantasy asset for this year, I think he goes back to being exactly what he was in the past. Because it was a leg injury, I'm just not sure how much running he's going to do as compared to years past. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, because he did take his stolen base game to another level also with the Brewers. But um, I would say for him, it's interesting because I look at Milwaukee and they look a lot like Miami's team did many years ago, which is not not a great chance of winning a lot of games, not a great pitching staff, kind of a star or two on the team. And, uh, and I kind of think that that's where that's headed, but he loves playing there. He loves being part of the organization. I'm glad he's, he's grown up a little bit and, um, you know, certainly apologized uh, to some members of the Marlins. I know that for a fact as well for how he handled things on the way out. But in speaking to him since he's been traded, he's got a completely different attitude. He's the team leader. He's taken on a whole different persona. And it sometimes comes down to just growing up in baseball, growing up in life. And I think that's what happened when Yelich was traded to the Brewers. Yeah, my exact takeaway was similar to yours, Craig, was that, you know, look, they hit on three of four trades the Miami Marlins did when trading away big-name players, and I, I think that you will take that every single time. So, you know, getting out of that John Carlos Stanton contract, obviously a huge contract, has not played much over the past couple of seasons with the New York Yankees, dealt with a ton of injuries last year, only played about 18 games, uh, was hurt during the postseason last year for the Yankees, and he's hurt now as well. And We don't really know when John Carlos Stanton is going to be back. So, uh, obviously, once Derek Jeter came in there with the Miami Marlins, it seemed like they had a full-on rebuild coming uh, with that team, and they still have a ton of young prospects that are coming up throughout the system that I know you've had the opportunity to cover. Uh, and if you follow Craig on, on Twitter, at Craig Mish, he has a ton of updates uh, daily, basically, on some of these top prospects in the Miami Marlins organization. So uh, that's something that, if you're excited about, make sure to go uh, go check out Craig on Twitter as well. I do agree with you in terms of Christian Yelich. I mean, should be a top three player in fantasy. Uh, what will the running look like this upcoming season? Stole 30 bases last year, but did fracture his kneecap. I think that's why you see him consistently going third of the top three behind Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout. All right, when we come back from the break, we will continue to break down the Boston Red Sox. We'll go into their win total, which is at 84.5. We're not used to seeing the win, uh, the win total that low for the Red Sox. And we will talk about the best and worst case scenario for them this upcoming season. Again, Craig is out live at spring training for the Marlins Orioles. I am Frank Stanfield. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go anywhere. We're live on the Sports Grid TV network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I did it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Yes. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfall. You got to take a view. That's my offer. Cigar, wrong. And we're back on Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV Network. I am Frank Stanfall, live from the FanDuel Sportsbook over at the Meadowlands. He is Craig Mish. He is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. He is covering the Marlins and Orioles. First pitch coming in about 45 minutes from now, Craig. And we were doing a uh, Boston Red Sox fantasy preview. want to jump a little bit into the wagering side of things, and we could talk about some of the players from a fantasy perspective while we build the best and worst case scenario for the Red yeah. Sox this upcoming season. This is something that you mentioned yesterday when we were talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think it's a fantastic way, if you want to handicap futures for the entire baseball season. You have to present both sides of the argument. You have to look at... What is the best case of things that can happen for the Boston Red Sox? And what is the worst case that can happen for the Boston Red Sox? You map those two things out, and then you kind of figure out which one is more realistic for this upcoming season. So we're going to do that again right now from the Boston Red Sox perspective. Again, at the FanDuel Sportsbook, their win total for the season is at 84.5. It seems like it's been a while since we've seen the win total this low for the Boston Red Sox, Craig. And I'll kick it to you. You'll go lead off here, uh, uh, starting with your best case scenario for the Boston Red Sox here in 2020 what do you got Craig yeah and, and I'm glad that you brought up that point about the best and the worst case scenario and and look we we are uh you know predominantly a lot of what we cover here on sports grid is about wagering uh, our show in particular is more on the fantasy side of it but the reason why I always mention is presenting both sides of the narrative and both sides of the uh of the win and loss is because there's always a worst case and best case scenario to everything. There's a lot of luck involved with wagering, too. A great example of that was this past season, the Miami Dolphins, right? Okay. So the Miami Dolphins win total, uh, I believe in, in where you are. I think, we, I think I had it in at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, it was four and a half. And, uh, and a buddy of mine were talking about it, and we're both like, ah, oh, there's no way, there's no way. The Dolphins are not going to win four and a half games, and they're tanking, and they're tanking. And we were like, ah, oh, we had, we didn't decide what to do. And then he found it at uh, minus, and he found that their total at five, and but it was at minus one thirty. And he asked me, are, are you sure that the Dolphins won't win five games? I mean, should we just take the five just on chance? And I'm like, ah, you know what? Let's play the safe side of it. And lo and behold, Frank, could you have ever imagined the Miami Dolphins at zero and eight getting to five wins on the season after what we saw in the early part of the year? There is no sure thing about this. So that's why I always like to present what could happen if things go right and what can happen if things go wrong. And if those of you who are out there are thinking about going on a certain side, maybe this will help you one way or the other and you think what is more plausible. So let's talk about the best case scenario for the Red Sox. Uh, best case scenario is two of the guys with the last name of B, Andrew Benatendi and Jackie Bradley Jr. Let's be honest, okay, over their careers, we have seen all-star type performances. We saw it with Benatendi two years ago. We saw it with Jackie Bradley Jr. in the past. It hasn't happened in a while, 
but it is possible. The players did it before. They can do it again. It's not like we're just going out there and saying, well, uh, if Alex Verdugo hits 50 home runs, he's never done it. So it's it's harder in that sense to predict that and to build that narrative. But what if Benatendi and what if Betts both or um, Bradley both have big years? That's possible. Uh, Nathan Uvalde. I mean, you mentioned you're intrigued by him. What if Nathan Uvalde makes 25 starts? What if he wins 13, 14 games? It's possible. Not probable, but it is possible it can happen. It's happened once for him before. Again, something that's happened before can repeat itself in the future. Uh, what if Chris Sale is, uh, you know, has a, an injection of some kind and only misses three months as opposed to the year? What if he only misses two months as opposed to the year? Uh, you're still getting Chris Sale. Remember how the Red Sox did David Price three years ago where they said, oh, we could be out for the year. Tommy John surgery ended up pitching in the second half of the year. Maybe Chris Sale still pitches for the Red Sox this season, and this is a little bit overblown. That's possible, too. And then the other part of it is that even with some of these things not happening in building the over for 84 and a half wins, what happens if the Red Sox say to their fan base, you know what, Kevin Pillar, Brandon Workman, Jackie Bradley, all you guys on uh, expiring contracts at the end of July, we're going to keep all of you. We're not going to trade anyone. We're going to keep We're going to fight all the way to the end for our fans. Could happen. Boston's a good fan base. Usually they don't dismantle. That could build into an 86, 87 win team. Maybe they don't make the playoffs, but they win just enough to go over that total. So, Frank, for me, that's how they go over 84 and a half wins. I love how you called me out, Craig, for Nathan Avaldi as well. And you had him as one of your best case scenarios, potentially winning 15 games this upcoming season. Again, Nathan Avaldi is someone that I am targeting late in fantasy drafts this upcoming season. I'll start off with my best case scenario with the Boston Red Sox, Craig. And Rafael Devers somehow manages to improve on his 2019, which just sounds crazy because to remind you what he did last year, to hit 311, 32 home runs, 129 runs scored, 115 ribbies, and eight stolen bases. Look, if he manages to top that and even improve, which I don't think is crazy. I mean, the guy's still just 22, 23 years old, obviously had a ton of prospect pedigree coming up through the minors. Uh, there's a chance that he continues to get better. Maybe he hits for more power. Maybe we see a little bit more speed on the base pass as well. Uh, some more consistency against left-handed pitching out of Rafael Devers. And he proves he is a legit MVP candidate in the American League in 2020. Next up, I have Eduardo Rodriguez. He managed to stay healthy last year for 200 innings pitch. I think a best-case scenario is he does that once again, but he actually improves his performance within those 200 innings. So last year, he went 200 innings. He went 203 and a third innings pitch, 3.81 ERA, 4.10 xFIP. He had a 1.33 whip, struggles with walks. I think for him to, uh, for the best case scenario to play out, especially, you know, with Chris Sale's status up in the air, Eduardo Rodriguez lowers the walk rate. We see more consistency out of him. I think he has some really nasty stuff. He has some really good strikeout stuff. We've seen that basically uh, every year that he's been in the major leagues. We just don't see it consistently enough, and we don't see enough command out of Eduardo Rodriguez as well. So uh, the best-case scenario playing out here is he stays healthy and actually takes that next step uh, as a starting pitcher. He actually progresses in that regard as well. Next up, when healthy, Alex Verdugo. 
is reminds us why he was a top prospect with the Los Angeles Dodgers and why the Red Sox made that trade, uh, moving Mookie Betts over to the West Coast. Uh, and he winds up hitting 300 with 15 to 20 home runs. And maybe he returns late April. Maybe he returns in May. But from May on, whenever he plays, he just hits the ground running, embraces the fans of Boston, uh, and you know really kind of reminds people why he was one of those top prospects with the Dodgers. Again, that is Alex Verdugo. I think he has the talent. It's just a matter of health now. Can Verdugo get healthy and back on the field for the Boston Red Sox? Craig, and I think if all those things happen, and obviously uh, a few things that you mentioned happen as well, you know, Chris Sale returning, Nathan Avaldi managing to stay healthy, I do think that the Red Sox could potentially be underappreciated and undervalued, and they can win 90 games if all of these things happen and potentially compete for a wild card spot. Um, yeah, this upcoming season in 2020, I think that is the best case scenario here for the Boston Red Sox. But with the best case, we have to paint the worst case as well, Craig. So I think a lot of that is going to be regarding uh, around Chris Sale. What do you have in painting the worst case scenario for the Boston Red Sox here in 2020? Yeah, I mean, that's that's real simple. Uh, the worst case scenario would be, uh, you know, in the next 48 hours, we find out Chris Sale's having Tommy John surgery and he's out for the year. Um, you know, that would be a terrible scenario that you don't want to see play out, but we got to paint that scenario in. We don't know. When you see Dr. James Andrews, there's probably a better chance in 50% than that would happen. And if the Red Sox want to have him back for 2021, they got to do that surgery now. Like They, they can't wait a month or two because then they could lo lose him for all of next year, too. Um, also, worst case scenario, along with Sale, I mean, two starting pitchers on this team, Frank, the fourth and fifth starter are going to be guys we've never heard of making 20 starts. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna win 85 games with with pitchers that honestly we've never heard of before because one of them is not gonna work out. There's no pedigree. There's no past on any of these guys. Maybe they'll end up signing somebody, but I don't see that being the case. Uh, also, worst case scenario is is look, it's a back issue for Alex Verdugo. Who's to say that he plays in May, in June? We don't know. We have no idea. And um, if he has no impact. This is a mediocre outside of the top three or four batters on the team, and I and I don't know that the trade means any to them, anything to them this year. It's just simply trying to get value back. And then finally, what happens if they do make trades in July? Then that thing is tanking under 84 and a half. I mean, they're a sub 500 team if they decide to unload some players. So that's playing the opposite side of it. And I think that just from my perspective, as I close it out, Frank, this is just not a total that I'm interested in right now. There's too much uncertainty. I could make a good case for them going over because they still have some really good players. We don't know sales status. I'm just out on this total completely. But since we're doing our team preview, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm probably not going to be involved in this total as well here, Craig, for the reasons that you mentioned. The Blue Jays are ascending. The Baltimore Orioles are still, you know, going to be the Baltimore Orioles. Maybe, you know, some slight improvement, 60 to 65 wins, but obviously not going to make a lot of noise uh, in the American League East. You have the Yankees, you have the Rays at the top there. So I think the Red Sox are firmly in the middle of the pack here uh, when it comes to the American League East. All right, worst case scenario, I've got to piggyback off what you said about Chris Sale. He doesn't pitch this entire season. And if they wait longer, as you mentioned, then if he has Tommy John surgery, we might not get him back for the start of the 2021 season. Uh, that contract that he signed last year is I know it's early in that contract, but it's starting to look pretty bad. Uh, maybe should have paid Mookie Betts instead, Boston Red Sox. J.D. Martinez goes back to missing 40-plus games this upcoming season. I'm crossing my fingers that this doesn't happen because I love the value of J.D. Martinez from a fantasy perspective going in the second round right now. Uh, but 
it's not something that we can't completely rule out because he has dealt with injuries in the past. Uh, you know, in 20, I believe it was 2016 and 2017, he missed 40 plus games in each of those seasons. So I think that would be part of the worst case is that JD Martinez misses time and this offense is quite anemic without him. Brandon Workman, we spoke about him earlier. The walks just get out of control. He loses the closers role. The back end of that bullpen becomes even murkier than it was last year in 2019. And if all of those things happen, I think the season just spirals out of control, Craig. And how about this? I can see a scenario where they lose less that they win less than 70 games for the first no, time no. since 2012. I can see it. I can see it. Everything just spiraling out of control for the Boston Red Sox. That is the worst case scenario, but I'm staying away from this win total as well. All right, when we come back, Craig Mish is down in Florida. You know what that means. We have to do Florida Man right here on Fantasy Sports Today on the Sports Grid TV network. Don't go anywhere. We'll have that for you right after this break. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, and it is Sports Grid, and of course, uh, it is Florida Man. And uh, kind of save this a little bit later in the show, as the next few weeks we're going to be doing our Florida Man stories after we do our spring training previews. So uh, today it's time to dive into, again, some of the most embarrassing, worst arrests in the state of Florida and just uh, tell their story. So, uh, Frank, are you ready to go for another edition of Florida Man today? My final segment here live at uh, Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Craig, I am always ready for Florida, man. One of the highlights of the week, some crazy stories. Obviously, I live in New York. I see a ton of crazy stuff around here as well. But if there's one state that can compete with New York in terms of crazy, I would have to say it's Florida. It is. It is. It is indeed. Now, also keep in mind here, folks, uh, a lot of times when we're doing the Florida man stories, we have them in the prompter. Prompter. Now, just keep in mind today, I don't have my prompter here in the studio. So if I'm looking down a little bit, please apologize for me because I got to read the stories to you. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, Frank, a trove of Spanish coins dating back to a 1715 shipwreck during a storm have been found along a beach in Florida. 43-year-old treasure hunter Jonah Martinez located the coins using a metal detector. He found 22 silver coins that are worth $6,000. They were lost during a hurricane in 1715. And I would ask you this, Frank, for all of the negative Florida man stories, every once in a while there's a good story out there. Uh, I would ask you this. Have you ever stumbled on a bill on the side of the pavement there in New York, Frank? Like, have you ever, the FanDuel Sportsbook, like somebody's like leaving, walking out, they just you know, drop a $100 bill there. And look, you would obviously love to return the money to the rightful owner, but let's be honest, how are you going to find that guy sometimes? You ever just stumble on a treasure, Frank, of money or something? Yeah, absolutely. Here in New York, <laughs> crazy things happen. People are taking their wallets in and out. They're dropping money around. Some people have too much money. They don't know what to do with it. 
in this area of the country. Uh, so I have found, you know, some bills on the floor before. I, I think the most I've ever found is like a $20 bill, which is fine. That's great. You know, pay for a couple lunches, a couple breakfasts sure. there with your $20 bill. Uh, I will say this about the FanDuel Sportsbook. You'll find some stuff on the floor here. Uh, I'm not sure that you're going to find any money, and you're not going to find any winning tickets, that's for sure. Only losing tickets here on the floor of True. the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, but I do appreciate you building the segment up so that you could tear us down for the rest of it. You start us off with a great story here, someone who found treasure, do it. you know, potentially, you know, make some money off of that. And, then of course, you're going to tear us down, um, you know, for the rest of the segment here with Florida Man. So I do appreciate that. Have you ever come across anything? Like, what's the biggest bill you've ever found out there in Florida? Do people do people drop money in Florida? I, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I feel like at one point in my life I may have, like, stumbled upon a $50 bill or something like that. But I, I think that's that's kind of the most. 50 yeah, but I mean, that's, this is going back. Like, I, I'm always the kind of person that's going to want to return it. But in this particular case, you know, no, nothing nothing significant. All right, so from that story, it's a very good segue to a man who repeatedly showed guests at an IHOP condoms as he tried to get them to look at his, you know, private parts at a donut store after he was released already from jail. What a kind man. Deputies said that they were called into an IHOP around 3 a.m. Saturday because guests complained that this man named Alan was approaching tables and offering to display his private parts while he showed uh, them condoms. Managers asked him to relieve, uh, to leave the premises. Uh, he bonded out of jail the same day. And then guess what, Frank? He was arrested again at 4 o'clock Eastern. In that incident, he went to a gas station, ate one donut, and walked out without paying for a uh, second donut. He admitted to stealing the snacks to give it to law enforcement officers because he said all cops Love donuts. It did not go well, Frank, for this Florida man. It did not go well for this Florida man, and this is the beginning of the end with Craig Mish tearing us down with the negative uh, Florida man stories here. You know how when you eat at a breakfast place, whether it's IHOP, a Denny's, whatever it is, you order some eggs, you order pancakes or French toast, they'll ask you bacon or sausage. I guess in this case, it was a rhetorical question uh, when it comes to this Florida man here, Craig. Uh, but the, the, I think the positive here for him is that he's 24 years old. So to me, Craig, what that says is it's not too late, man. It's, you're still young enough to turn life around. Do not offer the police donuts. That's not going to help your case, obviously, here. Um, and, and you're still young enough to turn things around. So uh, watch out for yourself, man. And, and tell Joe Ranieri to watch out for himself as well. You, go, you guys go out for some breakfast, IHOP, Denny's, whatever it might be. Just take care of yourself, man. I'll warn Joe about the next Florida, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Um, now, now, if you thought that that story was good and you thought that we couldn't find another story about a man getting arrested twice in the same day, well, then you'd be wrong. A Florida man was arrested on the same day he was released from prison while he was found riding in his car that had a gun and bullets concealed within it. He was also sitting with two unsecured toddlers. That's terrible on his lap while driving. Uh, he was released from prison on a Tuesday after serving a sentence for armed robbery and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And on the same day, a deputy with the sheriff's office uh, stopped him again and found him and also realized that he was uh, holding a loaded handgun and uh, it was in the glove compartment. And, they, and he said he didn't know, of course, he said it was somebody else's car. Now, look, of all the things that we're able to accomplish in life, I mean, Frank, being arrested twice in the same day has got to be up there. Like, that's just a huge accomplishment. I'm not really sure if I should say this guy is 
uh, one of the all-time Florida Man stories when we do our year-ender special on our all-time Florida Man stories because we've had back-to-back uh, criminals getting arrested twice in the same day. I mean, that is a record for fantasy sports today. There you go. A new record for fantasy sports today. I, I wouldn't call it a great record here. Uh, and Craig used the word accomplishment. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends who you ask, right? It's in the eye of the beholder here when it comes to the Florida man. Another one, only 23 years old. You could still get your life on track. The definition of insanity, Craig, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. The guy got arrested twice in the same day. I've got to bring it back to fantasy baseball, Craig. This is the fantasy equivalent of drafting Giancarlo Stanton. And I told you, I told you not to do it. The guys are already hurt. This is, you know, drafting Giancarlo Stanton every single year and expecting a different result, Craig. The guy is too jacked for his own good. He just can't stay healthy. That's what this Florida man reminds me of, if that makes sense. <laughs> it is. It is. And, uh, you know, this after getting arrested twice in the same day, you move probably from like a 7th to 10th round pick, I think, in fantasy. All right, a Florida man was arrested last week. He caused almost $70,000 in damage to a neighbor's home after putting a water hose through a broken window, police say. A 37-year-old man of Ocala City, I don't even know where that is in Florida, was detained by deputies by the Marion County Sheriff's Office on February 27th and hit with multiple felony charges related to incidents that took place in 2019. Inmates' uh, record posted online suggested that he posted bond. Uh, it was reported in uh, by another media outlet. And basically what this guy did is he... Uh, broke the neighbor's window, he shoved the water hose through the window, and just basically sprayed it all over and just kept it running for hours and hours and hours. Uh, they're calling it a uh, felonious water prank, but the bottom line is that they charged him with uh, larceny, petty theft, and uh, basically ruining somebody's house. Now, I got to tell you, Frank, uh, if I'm going to play a trick on somebody, I'm up for kind of anything. Um, you know, but one of the things that I probably wouldn't do is break your window, start my hose, drop it in, and then come back a few hours later and laugh about it. Bad idea. That'll get you arrested. Yeah, that's a bad idea indeed. This guy might watch Home Alone a few too many times. The Wet Bandits, of course, they were known for uh, turning the sinks on and then leaving after they would rob the houses. Uh, a felonious prank is what they're calling it. Um, look, I haven't had any run-ins with neighbors, um, you know, where I've lived uh, so far alone. You know, back when I used to live with my parents, I was kind of a crazy kid. I'll just say it for what it is. So, uh, you know, we got some complaints on the block. But uh, outside of that, I don't think for them to, you know, get any payback. They weren't, they weren't throwing their hose into our yard or into our window. So I think a few too many Home Alone movies uh, for this gentleman here. Um, have you had anything crazy happen in terms of your neighbors there? Do you have nice neighbors in Florida there, Craig? Uh, honestly, you never know because with all we're these good. Florida Man stories, I just hope that you never have an encounter with a Florida Man, Craig. That's no, what I'm hoping for. Like, I need good. you here to help me host the show. Obviously, you know, you got to watch yourself. You got to watch your back in IHOP. Uh, you got to watch people with cats and dogs, you know, robbing you we've heard that a few times here on the show uh, and now you know one of the wet bandits here uh, someone who enjoyed home alone a little bit too much you're friendly with your neighbors nothing going on there you're good no we're good my favorite line of the show by the way frank was when you said um back when i used to live with my parents and then i envisioned like what when was this like 2017 15 <laughs> <No, laughs> like three years ago <laughs> way back when no you're right last year <laughs> look 
the biggest, the, the best advice I could give to anybody out there who is, you know, I guess a millennial, right? Uh, unless you're a hipster and you just have, uh, you know, a bunch of money saved up from I don't know when. Um, live at home as long as you possibly can. Save as much money as you possibly can. Because once you live on your own, Nothing in life is easy. Nothing in life is free. Save as much money as you possibly can. Live at home as long as you possibly can as well. Uh, so, yeah, advice, it's a good Frank. point. Don't good catch there, hard. Craig. Don't get uh, out was, there. Uh, Don't get a job. <laughs> Live at home. Boy. No, you should work hard. You work hard show, from your parents' basement. Make grab, a lot of money. <laughs> grab Kevin Gossman, Dylan Bundy, live at home. I mean, Craig, the advice you give on this show. Nathan Avaldi, Matt no Shoemaker. why we're winning all kinds of awards <laughs> at these places for sure. Frank, uh, with that, on that note, we're going to close it down here. Uh, I want to thank the Miami Marlins for setting us up here at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Uh, Frank will handle the final 15 minutes of the show. I'll be back tomorrow uh, with Frank, and we will have our preview of the Baltimore Orioles. We'll hear from their manager, Brandon Hyde. We'll also hear from their general manager, Mike Elias, as well as some other players on the team who you may uh, be interested in drafting in fantasy in 2020. Uh, we'll have our full show preview on the Orioles on Thursday and on Friday, of course, We'll cap off the week with the New York Yankees. And in fact, the Yankees will be back here uh, in uh, Jupiter next week. So uh, stay tuned. Frank will have the final 15 minutes, including exit velocity. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Again, uh, thanks to uh, the Marlins for helping us out. And thanks to uh, Joe Ranieri also for helping us out here uh, in Jupiter. See you tomorrow. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV network. Closing out the final segment here of the show, live from the FanDuel Sportsbook over at the Meadowlands. Craig Mish getting ready to cover the Marlins and Orioles game. Excited to see what he has to say regarding Caleb Smith, someone to, who I do like as a back end of your rotation in a deeper league. You know, maybe if you get playing a 12-teamer, you draft him as a uh, as a reserve starting pitcher, uh, but someone who I think has immense strikeout upside, and we saw that in his first 11 starts last year. Again, that is Caleb Smith. So excited to see what Craig Mish has to say about him on tomorrow's show here on Fantasy Sports Today. Today, tomorrow, too, too many today, tomorrow's going on right now. Yesterday, why don't we get into that too? We had the Tout Wars Mixed League Draft, a 15-team Roto, OBP instead of batting average. A lot of heavy hitters in this draft. Took place last night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time was the start of this draft. Uh, Adam Ronis, Rudy Gamble, who we had on the show uh, to talk about 
the, I believe it was Labor Mix about a month ago now this time. Uh, Scott White from CBS. There's a few other names in here. Tim McCullough, Dan Strafford, of course, of the Sports Career TV Network. He helps us out with the news updates. You heard him at the top of the hour. Um, a lot of big names in this uh, draft took place last night. And, you know, I really wanted to highlight where the injured players are going. You know, the Blake Snells of the world, Chris Sale, the Yankees guys, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Just to give you guys an idea of where maybe you can expect to land some of these players in your respective drafts. Before we do all that, I'll just go over the first round and let you know uh, how this wound up playing out last night. Again, it's OBP instead of batting average. And I think the first uh, mark that you will see of this being an OBP draft comes with the fourth overall pick. So start off Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna, no surprises there. Acuna drops to three because of the OBP aspect of this draft. Juan Soto goes with the fourth overall pick. And remember, when we did our outfield preview, Craig Mish had Juan Soto as his third overall outfielder because of OBP. And he plays in a lot of OBP leagues. And if you play in a points league or any type of OBP format, whether it's Roto, whether it's head-to-head categories, uh, Juan Soto should be a top five player. And I think you can argue for him uh, to be as high as Craig Mish actually had him as his third outfielder off the board. He goes with the fourth overall pick in this draft last night. Again, this is the Tout Wars mixed league draft, uh, snake draft that took place last night. Uh, The fifth pick, Cody Bellinger. Then we see Mookie Betts go off the board. The first starting pitcher, Garrett Cole, goes to Scott White, who doubled down on starting pitching, actually, in the second round. Trey Turner with the eighth pick to Greg Ambrosius of the NFBC. Perry Van Hook takes Francisco Lindor with the ninth overall pick. Trevor Story at pick 10 to Michael Beller of the Athletic. Uh, we have Jacob DeGrom at pick 11. Nolan Arenado pick 12 to Tom Kesnick of the NFBC as well. Uh, Charlie Wieger, Walker Bueller. Uh, he takes Walker Bueller with pick 13. Then we see Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer round out the first round there. Uh, obviously starting pitching, getting pulled up the draft board. A little bit, uh, but I don't think anything too surprising there uh, from the first round of the Tout Wars Mixed League draft last night. Let's get into some of these injured players and where they wound up going. Blake Snell was the first name that we can really look at here and try and figure out. All right, he went with the 41st pick in this draft in the third round. Remember, this is a 15-team league, so if you play in a 12-teamer, then Blake Snell potentially falling into the fourth round, but Blake Snell goes two picks after Charlie Morton. He goes about six, seven picks after guys like Clayton Kershaw, Patrick Corbin, uh, Mike Clevenger, all of these pitchers going in the third round. Blake Snell still seems a little bit too early. Uh, We don't have enough news yet. Obviously, he's been playing catch the past couple of days. He had the cortisone shot in his elbow, had surgery last year uh, to clean up the elbow. That was Blake Snell. So a little bit concerned, obviously, with, you know, I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day. How much time is he going to miss? The first couple of weeks of the season. It is worth mentioning that... um, he went in the third round to the owner who also selected Jacob DeGrom. So they already had that base of pitching stats with, uh, with DeGrom. And then later on in the third round, taking Blake Snell, probably still a little bit too early for me. I would probably slot him into that fourth round range going around players like Aaron Nola and Zach Greinke, in my opinion. Speaking of the fourth round, this is an interesting one. Chris Sale goes off the board at pick 53 in the fourth round to Greg Ambrosius, who started his draft with Trey Turner, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Glaber Torres in the fourth round, selecting Chris Sale. This is too high, man. This is too high, especially given what we know right now, which is nothing. 
We don't know anything about Chris Sale. He should not be a fourth-round pick, in my opinion. Should go a little bit, not even a little. I think he should go probably three, four rounds later than this. You know, maybe once we get past like the Frankie Montas, Zach Gallen, Max Fried, that hype breakout starting pitcher group. Uh, you know, once we get into the guys who you know are going to be really good on a per-inning basis, but you don't know how many innings they're going to give you. I'm talking about names like Jesus Lozardo, Julio Urias. Maybe around that range, you start to look at a Chris Sale. In the fourth round with pick 53, too early for me when it comes to Chris Sale. Uh, A couple of picks before that, we saw Aaron Judge go off the board. And again, it's an OBP league, so Aaron Judge, much better in this format, uh, goes off the board at pick 50 in the fourth round. So if you're playing in a 12-team league, that would work out to an early fifth-round pick. Uh, And look, from an OBP perspective, I get it. Aaron Judge does get a bump in general, but... Probably still too early. Uh, you know, goes after guys like Victor Robles, goes after George Springer. We didn't see another outfielder go until the beginning of the fifth round when Tommy Pham, Eloy Jimenez, and Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman lasted until the middle of the fifth round. The disrespect on Charlie Blackman this upcoming season is absolutely insane. I don't know why he's going as late as he is unless people know something I don't. Did he get traded already? I guess there's, an, uh, there's a chance that he gets traded this upcoming season. But as of now, he's still on the Colorado Rockies. He's going to play half of his games in Coors Field. Why is Charlie Blackman going in the middle of the fifth round? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I think Aaron Judge winds up going a little bit too early, even with the OBP boost here, uh, just because doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for opening day. He's been going for more testing. The Yankees have been very hush-hush in this situation with Aaron Judge, which scares me. Do they know something that we don't? Are they not telling the media? They haven't handled injuries well the past couple of seasons with all their players, Stanton last year, rushed him back. Andujar tried to rush him back. Turns out, you know, he had to have season-ending shoulder surgery. It's, they just haven't done a good job in terms of their training staff, the way that they've handled injuries. Obviously, the, the next players up, they've done a great job. You won't hear any complaints from me about Talkman and Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar. And I do think that the arrow is still pointing up for all of those Yankee backup outfielders right now. I do think that, you know, the lineup that we saw yesterday against the Boston Red Sox, probably pretty close to the opening day lineup we see for the New York Yankees. And I think that you should be speculating on a lot of those names late in your drafts right now as well. Last but not least, I got to touch on Giancarlo Sand while we're talking about the New York Yankees. Goes at the end of pick, uh, end of round nine with pick 135. I am not on Giancarlo Stanton. When we did our outfield preview here on the show, I mentioned that Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge were my two busts at the outfield position. And it has nothing to do with talent because I do think that you know, these are two of the strongest guys in all of baseball. And if they ever manage to stay healthy, they're probably hitting 40 to 50 home runs, maybe even more than 50 home runs. Really good counting stats in one of the best lineups in baseball. One of the best ballparks in baseball as well. But they haven't been able to stay healthy. Giancarlo Stanton, however, going at pick 135 at the end of the ninth round in a 15-team league. This is an area where I can start to buy in. Obviously, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. You know, maybe we see him at the end of April. Uh, they've talked about you know the middle of the uh, middle of April potentially being a target date for John Carlos Stanton. Don't rush him back. Let this guy get completely healthy. I don't know if he's ever going to be completely healthy. Let him miss the first month or so of the season, late April, early May, whatever it might be. Might be. Give him ample time to rest up because if we can get, let's say, 120 games the rest of the way of a healthy John Carlos Stanton, then at pick. 135, 
I can get behind that because even in 120 games, Stanton's probably going to hit 30 home runs, probably going to drive in 80, 90 RBIs. So, you know, just to put that in perspective, some other outfielders that went right after Stanton, Max Kepler, all right, you know, had the breakout season last year, mid-30s in home runs. Is he going to get back there? I think it's fair to uh, be skeptical of Max Kepler, obviously leading off against right-handed pitching for one of the best lineups in baseball with the Minnesota Twins is Max Kepler. I think the home runs probably take a little bit of a step back, 28 to 30 home runs. Batting average that won't hurt or help you, maybe 255, 260. Those are probably comparable numbers to what Stanton can give you in 120 games. So, again, putting that in perspective, Fran Mo Reyes, this is the one. I'm, taking, I'm still taking Fran Mil Reyes over Giancarlo Stanton. I think Fran Mil Reyes, what we've seen in the spring so far yesterday, hit an absolute moon rocket out to right center field. I think Fran Mil Reyes, if he stays healthy, he has 40 home runs in the cards there. Uh, so I'm not going to take Giancarlo Stanton over Fran Mil Reyes. But Byron Buxton, the guy has dealt with a ton of injuries himself. Lorenzo Cain dealt with injuries last year. And I like Lorenzo Cain, but if you're just talking about upside at that point, Giancarlo Stanton has more upside than Lorenzo Cain. I think that we can say that consistently. So if we continue to see Giancarlo Stanton go in this range, pick 130, maybe even a little bit later than that, that is a point when I can actually jump in and get excited about Giancarlo Stanton. All right, like we do every day here on the show, we have to end today with a little bit of exit velocity. Or not. Exit Velocity. Nice Velocity. All right, I got to jump back into this Tout Wars draft. I didn't rip the Chris Sale pick as much as I wanted to because I wanted to save that for right now, Exit Velocity. Tout Wars is a league of experts, or we like to call ourselves analysts, whatever it might be. We are doing a disservice to people who are watching the Tout Wars draft to find out where they can draft players that are injured when we're drafting Chris Sale in the middle of the fourth round. This guy is about to get shut down. How are we drafting Chris Sale in the middle of the fourth round? Obviously, I have nothing but respect for everybody in this draft, but we are doing a disservice to everybody out there when we take guys like Chris Sale, who we have absolutely no idea what's going on uh, that early in the draft. All right, I want to dra- I want to thank... Joe Ranieri and Craig Mish as well for joining me here throughout the show. Everybody in the pit as well. Thank you for watching Fantasy Sports Today. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.